What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dreary Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, powered by DeerCast. This is episode 176. We've got Tim Chelzik, Matt Drury. We got a full house today. I'm going to For admit. good reason. Yeah, so we have the whole family. We got Mark, we got Terry, we got Taylor, but we're going to have a very special guest coming up here. Yeah, he's a bow hunter, a father, a meme artist, an author, a TV personality. He's also the executive vice president of development acquisitions at the Trump Organization. He is Donald Trump Jr., a.k.a. Don Jr. He's joining us right now on the 100% Wild Podcast. What's, Don, welcome aboard. What's up, Don? How good you doing today? you guys. How are you all? We're good. We appreciate you jumping on with us. We know you got a huge schedule, busy schedule, working tire, tirelessly mm-hmm. to activate people to vote uh yeah it's been uh it's been pretty brutal i mean this is the time of year i'd rather be in the woods but uh right now i think there's too much at stake so i just i just got to be fighting hard before we get into that i would like to mention you just shot a beautiful bull at 39 yards with your bow and arrow how'd that go down uh, you know, it, it went great. I literally, uh, I, I have a buddy uh, that has a lease out west in Colorado. He said, hey, you want to you come out? You know, we, we've always just sort of been able to time the peak of the rut pretty pretty darn well. So, you know, normally I wouldn't commit to a two-day bow hunt because it makes it, little, you know, it, makes it pretty challenging. Timing, yeah. uh, but, but it was going on, and I figured, you know, I, I got to get that one weekend in the woods before that last, like, 45-day sprint uh, to the finish with politics. Uh, and, and so I was out there, and, and they were going nuts, and... Uh, it, it was awesome. Shot a great bull. Uh, you know, n- not a monster, but it's going to eat really, really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, ha- had a bunch of pretty close encounters. I-, I-, I had an awesome six by six, probably like a, you know, probably like a three forty class six by six at five yards uh, opening morning, and it was just you know the Hair-raising. sort of perpetual bow hunting story of I just needed him to take one more step. I mean, there's literally just a tree <laughs> in the vitals, and I-, I felt a little wind in the back of my neck, and I just knew it was over, even though I'm sitting there at full draw. You know, of course, he runs off, you know, stops again at 25 yards with another tree covering. And I'm just like, ah, Uh, but but I made I made it happen. uh, And and it was awesome. So you're a longtime outdoorsman uh, hunter. Am I right in this? Did you get your start by going to visit your grandma when you were a young child? Well, my grandfather sort of, you know, and it's sort of, you know, where where I got some of you know, even my political leanings. Right. My grandparents were from communist Czechoslovakia. My mother was from communist Czechoslovakia. She escaped. Uh, you know, from from that political system. And so when my grandfather came over here and saw what we were sort of blessed with, you know, as our family, but also just as Americans, uh, the freedoms that we had, uh, the liberties that we had, he, he just was sort of enamored with it. He just couldn't believe it. Right. I mean, he was a guy that grew up, you know, sort of initially hiding from the Nazis. Uh, my grandmother did the same thing. And then, you know, dealing with communist occupation for 40 years and, a, he sort of had that conversation with my father of, you know, what you guys have is sort of amazing and you, you got to experience the other side. So he sort of got me uh, into it by bringing me over there as a young kid. I saw mm. the systems, but also, you know, we lived in a small town three hours east of Prague and, you know, it was there's the woods. I'll see you at dark. Now, he wasn't able to hunt because over there that was reserved for you know, the elite or for the Communist Party people. And so you, you couldn't do that. But he got me into sort of woodsmanship, taught me how to shoot an air gun, taught me how to shoot a bow, uh, the basics of fishing. Uh, and then, you know, I, I went to boarding school in central Pennsylvania as a, you know, in eighth grade. And there were a couple of guys there that took me under their wing and just, you know, did Pennsylvania opening day deer season. Yeah. Uh, my first time in the woods hunting big game was sort of amazing. And, you know, it just sort of stuck. I read every book there was, 
uh, you know, got got pretty absorbed into it, got into competitive shooting and then long range and bench rest and, you know, archery and 3D and uh, recurves and just sort of, you know, I went nuts from there. Well, it, it's funny, a little behind the scenes before we hopped on, Terry was asking Don about the kill and you know, someone's a real bow hunter when they sight you yardage at 39 yards, because it wasn't 40, it wasn't 35, it was 39. And it mattered. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, you know what? I've seen it where it matters, especially as you get out there a little bit further, right? At 20 and 21 doesn't matter much. 40 mm-hmm. and 45 matters a lot. So, That's right. No doubt. Well, congrats on your kill. So we've got a full house. We've got Mark and Taylor and Terry on also. They're they're joining us via Zoom. So we're excited to have this conversation because I know right now it's so important that outdoorsmen and women are activated and and, and, and not even just politically aware, but involved in this process. Yeah. And as we before we jumped on, I I mentioned I I really want to make sure that we cross party lines here and just kind of uh, state the facts and, and, and lay it out there. And maybe there's somebody that's not ready registered or not interested or doesn't like the political climate that we're in right now and they don't want to vote but you got to you got to register there's it's so important no matter what side of the fence you're on this is a right that we've been given and and you got to activate and you know looking at some of the swing states uh don you know there's like wisconsin texas pa michigan minnesota georgia north carolina that's 2.8 2.8 million outdoorsmen that aren't even registered to vote. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do you go about getting some somebody like that interested in today's political climate? Well, listen, I think you got to talk about facts. I mean, that's the reality. That's what we don't have in our favor, right? We don't have a mainstream media uh, that w- that will do our bidding for us. We can't hide in the basement for you know for weeks on end uh, and, and allow that to happen. So I do that by being on the ground. I think you know for outdoorsmen in general. Uh, you, you don't hear about the things that this administration did. It's what, sort of what I campaigned on in 16, you know, about the Department of the Interior and doing that. I mean, this is going to be more Western state type stuff when you have, but, you know, 4.1 million new acres uh, of accessible land for hunters, for outdoorsmen, for fishermen that you couldn't even get into before, that you weren't allowed to do those things on. You know, this administration did that. They got $900 million set aside to buy up new land to create access to, you know, landlocked hunting land. Uh, that that is public, but is landlocked. So it's sort of public private. You know, the guys that love to say they're hunting uh, public land, but are flying in on their friends' helicopters. You know, that's not for everyone. A big part of me is making sure that those lands are accessible. If you have to drive six hours to get your kid into hunting, guess what? You're not getting into hunting. Mm-hmm. You're going to take up golf. You're going to do something else. Uh, you know, so that's a huge step. I mean, 4.1 million new acres. That's the most since Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, that's the big deal. When you talk about sort of, you know, the, the upper rust belt, uh, you, you had $750 million put into the Great Lakes uh, to preserve the Great Lakes in that fishery. Uh, you know, that's a big deal for Michigan, for Wisconsin, for Pennsylvania, e- even upper New York, uh, you know, and, and a lot of those states that border the Great Lakes region. Uh, that's an incredible fishery. I mean, I go up to Wisconsin every year to go ice fishing because it's pretty badass to catch a 16 pound brown trout. Uh, you know, that fishery doesn't exist without those kind of improvements and safeguards. Again, another thing you'll never hear about because you see so many of these sort of supposed hunting organizations, they're really just shills for the, you know, the left. Uh, they, they sort of pretend that they're, you know, they're hunters, but they're literally just funding Democrat candidates, Democrat this. They only talk about the negatives. Um, you know, same thing in the great, uh, down in the Everglades for Florida, for the coastal fisheries down there, you know, a billion dollars uh, to fix the Florida Everglades and, and the runoff from Lake Okeechobee to prevent red tide, to prevent the blue-green blue, algae. You know, that saves that entire ecosystem, but also saves the Gulf and Atlantic coast there and, and the fisheries. 
You know, so this administration has really been very active, preserving a lot of things that we hold near and dear, you know, to to the great outdoors. Now, some people have a problem because they say, well, you know, if you open up a million acres, like you can put maybe a, a drilling platform here and a 30 by 30 thing and people go nuts. It's like, wait a minute, guys, like we have to be able to be energy independent. We have to be able to create these jobs. The same thing comes, you know, as you talk about sort of the timber problems uh, that you see all over the West when they're burning out of control. You notice those wildfires aren't happening in Canada. It's because it's not because of global warming, guys. Canada would be affected by global warming, too. It's because of poor forest management. Uh, these people are preservationists, not conservationists. So if you have a standing thing of dead pine trees, sap loaded pine trees, you can't go in there, create jobs by cutting them down, create a economic product that you could use uh, with that dead timber. Instead, they leave it there. It stands there. It waits for lightning to strike or in some cases like what you got in Oregon, literally arsonists. I guess they're not getting enough attention burning down Portland. They'll go down, burn down our forests. You know, that stuff could be managed. You could create jobs. You could have an economic output. And more importantly, you could create new growth mm -hmm. by allowing sunlight to get to the ground, which is better for the animals. It's better for the forest. It, it creates much less of a tinderbox than what exists right there. That's because California doesn't want you to do anything. Yeah. Right. California electric, you know, they won't cut down the timbers. The electric lines run through there. They wonder when a tree falls on the electric lines, why there's a spark. And these things go up in flames and burn millions of acres, death, destruction. You know, and then they want the federal government to bail them out. It's, it's insane. There is a way to do these things responsibly, create the economic output we need, create the energy independence that we need, which isn't just about jobs or the economy. It's also about national security. There's a way to do this right. And I think this administration has struck that chord. Absolutely. You know, before we get into the Great American Outdoors Act, which I do want to spend a, a good amount of time on because it, it really is monumental for, for our future, for, for our children's future and, and generations well beyond yeah. what we can even see. I wanted to check in with Mark Terry Taylor and see, uh, give him a chance to, to, to jump into the debate here and, and see if they had anything to add. Uh, uh, Terry, where are you at, buddy? I'm right here. I'm just listening. I, I love hearing all this. Uh, you know, I, I marvel at, at what's been going on. And, and I think of mothers and grandmothers and children and the environment that, that we've been seeing and watching. And you wonder, you know, what has happened to our country and when, when we will be able to take it back. Because, you know, as a, as a parent and a grandparent, you gotta, you gotta shake your head about the fear that's been instilled yeah. here of late. And as a mother or a grandmother, you wonder what they're thinking when they send their child to school or send them to the mall or send them to a sporting event, whatever that may be, as far as their safety is concerned. And boy, it's just gotten, it's gotten really crazy here lately. And, uh, you know, you wonder what's happened and I'm not the only one. I mean, every, every yeah. person that you talk to is thinking along these same lines, you know, I get that. Safety. I get is, that, Terry. I, I think that's sort of what we're talking about. You know, you, you know, if you're talking about where you guys are from uh, and, and from some of the Rust Belt states, and I think you guys know me well enough that you know that I spend my free time sort of in real America, in, in middle America, between hunting, between fishing, between competitive shooting. You know, I'm, I'm a, the son of a billionaire from New York City. I get that. But I don't choose to spend my time there. I spend my weekends on my farm in northeast Pennsylvania and stuff like that. It, so, you know, you, you're 100 percent right. And I think that's some of the issue in terms of politics. First and foremost, you know, people say, well, I don't want to mix like my hobby of hunting or shooting with politics. It's like, well, guess what, guys? Like, have you watched the left lately? You don't think they're coming after your guns? 
You don't think they're coming after your hobby? Look at what happens when, you know, when people post a picture of me with a kill. I don't do most of what I you know, do because the commentary goes insane. If you don't think that hunting's on the table uh, in, in politics, that they're not going to try to eliminate that in the future, you haven't been watching. As it relates to the that. safety issue, you know, the entire Democrat Party sat for four months watching cities across America burn to the ground. The DNC, that, you know, that one week, like, I hate America Zoom call, that was the DNC. Not one politician, not one Democrat came out against looting, arson, vandalism. You know, I'm okay with peaceful protests for social justice, but I don't know what stealing a 62-inch flat screen has to do with social justice. And what's scary when the Democrats aren't calling it out, they only called it out and started calling it out once you know, Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo on CNN started saying, hey, guys, you know, this is affecting us in the polls. I mean, it's the first time in American history where you're more likely to get in trouble for opening up your business to feed your family than you are for burning down someone else's or looting it. I mean, that's insane. And so to the people you know, from your part of the world, guys, you know, from the Rust Belt that has a long tradition sort of, of Democrat blue collar voting, you know, the blue dog Democrat states like this Democrat Party has left you. This Democrat Party doesn't represent those people anymore. I understand the tradition. And in 16, guys, I saw this, Terry. I, I'd go around, you know, hey, Don, you know, if, if my grandfather knew that I was voting for a Democrat, he'd be rolling o- or a Republican, he'd be rolling over in his grave. I go, you know, what would your grandfather say about 97 genders? You know, what would he say about the values that they're pushing uh, and cramming down our throats these days? I mean, we really are in, in a war for our culture and our civilization. Uh, and this party no longer represents you. The Democrat Party doesn't represent blue collar workers anymore. They're just pushing Joe Biden as though he's done that. Joe Biden spent 50 years sending blue collar jobs to China. He supported NAFTA. He supported TPP. He doubled down on both of those. He spent four decades pushing for China's permanent status in the World Trade Organization, which shipped our American dream to China. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, today still owns a big piece of a Chinese company that's taking jobs out of Michigan and sending them to China. Now, if this was the Trump organization doing it, if it was Donald Trump Jr., you'd hear about that in the news. But you don't. You know, you're not. They're using Joe Biden. The way I look at it is they're using Joe Biden as like the camouflage to get in the radical left agenda. They'll say, yo, he's moderate Joe. Guess what? You're not moderate Joe if Kamala Harris is your VP. You're not moderate Joe if Beto, hell yeah, I'm going to take your AR-15 O'Rourke as your guns are. You're not moderate Joe adapting Bernie Sanders' platform where you get a $4 trillion tax increase to middle America to fund free health care for illegal immigrants, free education for illegals, free lawyers as they open up the borders and allow more in. That's not a moderate position. You have the privilege of paying for that. But guess what? You don't have the privilege of. You don't have the privilege of getting that for yourselves, for your kids, for your grandkids. But again, the media knows that, so they won't report on those things. We don't have the benefit of a you know multi-billion-dollar mainstream media complex. You guys are in hunting, uh, you know, shooting two A. Like you see what they do to us on social media platforms. You know we don't get free boosting. We get censored. We get thrown off. The most vile leftist accounts in America. You've never seen them thrown off a platform. You've never seen them demonetized. How many of your guys have had censored posts because of a, a, a perfectly good you know, kill shot or, or, or a hunting picture? No, that's what we're up against. And so you, you do see that blue collar sort of Democrat hunter vote. And it's like, guys, like you don't think they're coming for deer season next. Yeah. You think that anything is off the table. You know, they'll do it slowly. It'll be a death by a thousand cuts. But just look at what they're doing. Look at the way they attack. 
you know, we're not in a fair fight and we just have to wake up. Their hobby is messing with your rights. It's starting with the Second Amendment. That's already out there. But you don't think hunting is next? Yeah, that's right. We, you know, it's something that we've talked about internally for a while now. And, and Mark, you might want to jump in on this when we when we talk, start talking about creating our own platform, because we, we do see the censorship. Yep. Uh, Mark, you might want to jump in here. I agree. I mean, you don't need to look any further than Twitter, as an example. Um, Donald Trump has 80 million followers. Joe Biden has eight but Joe's posts will go 10 times further than Donald Trump. So they're, they're choking that out. And, and to your point, Matt, we own a platform. We own DeerCast. And I'm so glad that Don Jr. was willing to come on this podcast with us and talk to people. And it, it will be interesting to see because we know what our normal view count is, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. And this one should exceed those because of the subject matter and the guest. But I would bet money they choke it down. So we'll have to post it on DeerCast where we know it won't be choked down. So well, and, the, and you've seen that, guys. You, you've seen it. You know, post a kill shot. It gets censored. It's sensitive mm-hmm. content. You know, talking about guns. I mean, I know guys that you know they start. They, they I know people in the Second Amendment world, especially uh, where you know where they start. You know, literally paying for promotions and watch their numbers and their metrics go down. <laughs> uh, you know, this isn't like hypothetical. This hasn't happened to one or two people. As you guys have seen, I'm sort of vocal. I don't care at this point. They've, I've been canceled so many times it no longer matters to me. Uh, you know, I see them choke down my numbers. I sort of have, had a, have a big enough platform that, you know, content is king and I can still ram some of it through. But like, how many times have you seen that where the, you know, the sensitive content sticker comes up and all of a sudden your metrics go down. You, you post a perfectly good picture, you know, with a deer, you're cleaned up, nothing aggressive and it's gone. You know, Second Amendment counts, same thing. It's sensitive content. I've had stuff flagged as sensitive content that literally had nothing to do with it. They say, well, that's COVID content. It has nothing to do with it. Mm. Uh, you notice that only happens one way. You've mm. never seen a single person on the left complain about these things. So that's why I would say, you know, this isn't just a battle of left versus right or ideas. I mean, it's a battle for our culture. And we're the only ones getting suppressed. We're the only ones being censored and deplatformed and demonetized. So, you know, we have to wake up to some of that and see what's going on and make sure we call it out. And and honestly, not be afraid to be vocal. Like, trust me, I promise you this. It's not the easiest thing in the world to be a real estate developer from New York City and be a vocal Second Amendment advocate, be a vocal hunter who's willing to put himself out there as, an, as a hunter. But you know what? Sometimes you actually have to stand up for what you believe in. You can't just take the easy way out. You actually have to fight. That's why my dad did this. He didn't need this job. He did it because he was sick of losers you know, with no experience with no real world experience other than being a political bureaucrat, making terrible decisions that our kids and our grandkids are going to be stuck with for generations. He got sick of it. So he threw his hat in the ring and he got in the fight. All right. So circling back around, speaking of something that's going to affect our future, our our kids and generations past, let's get into the Great American Outdoors Act and and something that's going to benefit. And whether you're a hunter or an outdoorsman, we've seen during the COVID shutdown in the spring, people were going outdoors and and droves. I mean, you know, you you can't do anything else when youth sports or sports in general or whatever, concerts, whatever restaurants you were used to doing and you can't do any of that. What are you going to do? All of a sudden, you're going to reconnect with what we've all, you know, in this circle have been doing for years and years and years. So uh, take us a little bit of a rundown on the Great American Outdoors Act and kind of give us the overview here because it's pretty monumental. It it really is. I mean, listen, it's about access. It's about permanent funding. It's about all of these things to make sure, you know, that that these hobbies exist. And, you know, you sort of see it, uh, you know, as it relates to as they pass some of this legislation. I mean, so much of it is often done by 
you know, the sort of governmental bureaucrats. I look at like the guys that are part of like Sportsman for Trump and the board there. And these are guys that are real hunters. I look at, you know, the Biden, the Sportsman for Biden, and it's literally like every failed government bureaucrat, you know, that's sitting there with, the, you know, a pitcher with a brand new shotgun and, you know, clean blaze, fingers on the trigger. I'm like, I wonder if these guys have ever even been in the outdoors. But you know, this is an organic, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That, that, that political picture, it's like, yes, I'm very pro second event. They're standing there, finger on the trigger, shotguns pointed at someone's face, uh, you know, <laughs> clean clothes, never probably shot anything in their lives. Uh, you know, they go out there for the photo op, you know, but, but this act is, you know, it is about making sure you have that sort of permanent access that it's funded for generations. Uh, you know, guys like, you know, Senator Steve Daines up in Montana, Cory Gardner in, in Colorado, uh, you know, really pushed for a practical application, not sort of the bureaucratic application, you know, of, of what's in this to make sure that we have these incredible natural resources available, available to the average guy. You know, th that's the big key. As I said before, if you have to drive six hours to go hunting to get your kid into it, you're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. But a big part of it for me was always, you know, the outdoors and hunting and fishing, and shoot, it's kept me out of so much other trouble I would have gone into in my life. And that's not to say I was an angel. If you, you know, if you follow me long enough, you realize I probably wasn't always an angel. <laughs> uh, but but it, it, it certainly helped. Uh, and I want to make sure that that experience exists for my kids, that they get the chance to have that sort of a, take part in that great American outdoor tradition. Uh, and we want to make sure that's accessible for all, not just guys like me who are blessed to be able to have some pub, you know, private land mm -hmm. uh, and to be able to do it, but to make sure that's available to all Americans. So this act does that. It funds it permanently. Uh, you know, they're they're working on trying to decentralize some of the decisions as it relates to forest management, as it relates to hunting. You know, from D.C., from a bureaucrat politician in D.C. who again has no idea what they're talking about, uh, but is making decisions based on an emotional, uh, you know, decision. Uh, of a bunch of nuisance that's been sold to them by professional lawyers whose job it is to create problems. You know, we want the states to be involved uh, in the management of their forests and of their public lands. You know, you, you need all of these combinations. It can't be done from D.C. They have no idea what they're talking about. So, you know, this act gets all of that going. And it, it was really monumental. You combine that with the other aspects of the land. And, you know, I, I can say very safely that, you know, no one has done more for sort of the public land sportsmen you know, since Roosevelt in terms of a president. Uh, but again, you won't hear about it because there's this sort of cottage industry of like sort of fake hunting organizations that are literally just, you know, liberal shills, Democrat shills uh, that, that will cover up the truth of what's going on, you know, take immediate credit for the things that are going on when they honestly had nothing to do with it. Um, but, you know, that's the way it works. So it's just important to be vocal so people really understand what's going on. Yeah. Go ahead. Speaking about an odd, an odd silence, um, Don, why don't you talk a little bit about what your dad's administration has done for to fight human trafficking? Because we're, we're oh, like yeah. we're, the family is a huge part of the outdoors. Most of us are dads. We've got you know we got kids, and we're concerned about the safety of our families. Well, you know, it's obviously a little different than uh, than hunting and fishing, but a hundred percent, Donald Trump and this administration has done more. They permanently funded. You know, the, the organizations to be able to attack human traffic, human traffic is not a new problem. I mean, this is literally a centuries old problem, uh, but it's been going on in America. You know, Donald Trump is the first guy to take on this problem. They put in one hundred million dollars just last week to be able to create the task force to combat this you know, child sex trafficking. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the left, you know, and they're pushing this garbage on Netflix, this cutie stuff where yeah, they're yeah, literally yeah. normalizing pedophilia. I mean, they're making it like it's okay. Why has this not they, been addressed they, until now? It's 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 shocking. Well, that's what I'm me. saying. Well, you know, 
Well, Obama's getting $100 million from Netflix. Susan Rice from Obama's administration sits on the board and no one in the media is even asking them. Like this isn't, again, it's not a new problem that happened last year. This has been going on for decades. How come no one's addressed it? You know, the fact that it has to be my father with my sister and A.G. Barr to be like, oh my God, like guys, this is a problem. We have to attack it. We have to save our children and their innocence. Meanwhile, the left, I honestly, guys, I did this, it was about two weeks ago when the cuties thing started. I came out strong. I usually do. I'm not sort of, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mince words too often. I came out strong against you know, the notion of normalizing pedophilia. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Even in 2020, even with the craziness of the world that we are in today, like this is something that all Americans will probably we should be able agree to agree on. on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> I, I had, uh, you know, uh, it was 100% of the conservatives agreed. And I was being attacked by leftist Twitter for, for attacking pedophilia, for being anti-pedophile. They were trying to cancel me. I mean, this is mind blowing stuff. And that the left can turn a blind eye, that everyone in the media doesn't ask or doesn't highlight a that we're doing something about it, but doesn't ask, why have none of these DC politicians done anything about these things in the past? Why hasn't Joe Biden? Why didn't the Obama administration? Why didn't the Bush administration? You know, they just let it go. So Donald Trump has attacked these problems, uh, you know, and, and gone after them, not because they were party platform things, but because they were the right thing to do. But I'm watching these bureaucrats that have been there for 50 years, like Joe Biden. I mean, half a century in DC. He never thought to address these problems. He never thought maybe we should attack them. You never thought that maybe this would be something we should just do yeah. for the innocence of our children and family. I mean, it's absolutely insane what's going on. And again, you know, the fact that they don't talk about it, the fact that they won't make it part of their platform, the fact that so many people that are thought leaders of the Democrat Party would attack me for being anti-pedophile, well, uh, you know, while totally turning a blind eye to Antifa, which really should just be fa, right? Because it's not Antifa. The, the Antifa <laughs> is acting exactly like the fascists did in 1940, mm -hmm. right? They're burning down buildings. They're burning books in the street. They're anti-religion. They're attacking God and family. Uh, you know, they're Silencing attacking dissenters. people in the streets who don't share their opinion. That's what the fascists did. There's nothing Antifa about Antifa. They're just fa. They're just fascists. Well, but everyone's pretending like that's not the case. And that, that's what we're sort of combating because we don't have, again, the benefit of a mainstream media. We don't have the benefit of big tech, mm -hmm. of social media, you know, putting their weight on the scale of us. So we have to get out there to regular people to be on the ground to talk about these things, because if we don't, no one else will. Yeah. And, and this is one of the things where I think a, a lot of guys, I understand people are fed up with politics, are fed up with here. They just want to disengage. And some people say, well, it doesn't matter who I elect. They're all pretty much the same. But you have this, you have these very stark issues that that, that are being attacked right now. So there yeah. are some real clear delineations. Yeah. I was, I was looking oh. at uh, some research from 2017. I think they were looking back at the 2016 election. And in general, you know, 62% of unregistered voters said they've never been, they never have been asked to vote. Okay. Well then in general, 44% of those people said they just don't want to vote because they don't like the candidates involved. And I, I just, I feel like you got to have a better love for America and, and want to get involved a little bit more and have to get an understanding you so you can at, make a decision. Yeah, you have on to look at the issues. Like yeah. Well, listen, you if, if you're aside. fed up with politics, I mean, I, I see this, you know, Joe Biden campaigns on the notion that big government has failed you. I go, Joe, you've been a part of that problem for 50 years. What are you like? What are you talking about? Like, I agree with you. But like, don't you think you're part of the problem? You, like Joe Biden's been there for half a century. 
If he could fix anything, he would have done it by now. The reality is this. Donald Trump took on a task. He did it under unprecedented incoming. They tried to spend two and a half years throwing me in jail. They called him an agent of Russia for four years. Now that it turns out, it looks like it's the other side. You've seen the news that's going on this week. You know, I mean, imagine this. You know, the FBI was working with a known Russian spy to spread disinformation with the the steel with dossier. the DNC, yeah. with the other party. I mean, that's what they accused us of doing, and they were literally doing it. And literally, New York Times. Washington Post, they won't even talk about it. I mean, think about how insane that is. Again, they spent three years trying to put me in jail. Hunter Biden the other day was linked in a Senate intelligence report saying that he took money from the wife of the mayor of Moscow, a known Putin associate, $3.5 million from a known Putin associate for what we don't know, money that is linked to human trafficking and prostitution rings. Mm. Imagine I did that, guys. Imagine for a second that that was me. Reverse the role. People would lose their minds. $3.5 million linked to human trafficking and prostitution rings. Donald Trump Jr. It would be the biggest story of the year. Hunter Biden can do that. No problem. They don't even talk about it. Okay. I mean, human trafficking, going back to what we're talking about, you know, my father, my sister, the administration, AG Barr, they're combating human trafficking. They're literally funding it. And it seems like Hunter Biden is literally taking part in the other side. And it's a non-issue. He takes $1.5 billion from China. That's $30 million a year in fees, typically, guys. Like in a typical 2% fund structure to Hunter Biden. You think Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are going to be tough on China? He's sitting on a board of a company or owns a part of a company that's literally taking jobs out of Michigan today and shipping them to China. Joe has been sending our American dream to China for 50 years. You think it's going to stop now? But you'd never know that because no one's willing to take on the Democrats because that's the problem. Today's mainstream media and mainstream platforms, they're no longer journalists. They're literally just activists for the radical yeah. left. Uh, and and we have to combat that. You know, Donald Trump built the strongest economy that America's ever known. He created more jobs for every demographic across America. He's been fighting to bring jobs and manufacturing back to America, exactly the opposite, where Joe has shipped them abroad. He renegotiated NAFTA and made a strong deal. Even Joe Biden admits it's significantly better than NAFTA. Well, why didn't Joe Biden fix it? He's been there for half a century, guys. Like, you know, we know some guys that take a little while to warm up into their groove, but 50 years, like, you think it's going to change now? 51's going to do break. it. That's me and you in the hunting woods. Right, yeah, Just take a little bit up. longer to warm up. Four more seasons and we're good. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so we're, I think we're all, we're, you and you, me and Don are Gen Xers. Taylor, I think is a millennial. And, and I'm wondering, Don, like how, how is the administration reach out to millennials? What do you know to be important issues for them? Because I don't want to speak from our experience only. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot which sort of interesting. I do a lot of stuff with Turning Point USA uh, and, and some of these you know, organizations that you're know, trying to get you know, to students on campuses and high school and colleges across the country. You know, there's actually a pretty big uh, demand. I mean, we go to some of these colleges. I'll, I'll speak at a college campus and like some of them, you know, pretty heavy liberal. And we'll get thousands of kids to show up. We had huh. one in Colorado where I think 14,000 kids bought tickets. Jeez. Now, the university will only give us a thousand seats because they're trying to suppress it. And the first <laughs> thing I'll ask. I'm talking to 1,000 kids, 1,500 kids in an arena. If your teacher knew you were here right now at a conservative event, would you be penalized academically? Every hand in the room goes up. So there are a lot more young conservatives out there than I think you'd let on, but there's a consequence to being a young conservative. They, you know, they've been indoctrinated from a young age. Uh, you saw what my father did to combat some of that indoctrination with the 1776 project, to be able to teach 
actual history, not sort of the New York Times manipulated idea of woke history to fill some sort of PC BS narrative. I mean, what's going on is is insanity. You know, I, I have friends, you know, I, I literally have friends uh, in SEAL teams, SEAL teams, Navy SEALs. They say they spend more time in diversity training than they do shooting. I mean, think about this. You know, so the Trump administration tried to fix some of that and get rid of that ridiculousness. The reason we don't see a presence of ISIS, the reason the caliphate is gone is because my father went in there and said, um, guys, uh, how about this? Rather than waiting nine hours to get a call back from a lawyer in D.C. to take out a bad guy, why don't you make that decision in the field? Mm-hmm. That was the difference between Obama. I mean, I had friends that in 16, they were going to leave the SEAL teams because they said, if we get Hillary and we have to go through lawyers, you know, I spent 12 hours last week with a high value target, you know, one of the playing cards in my sights. And we couldn't go in because we're waiting for some guy in D.C. who's sleeping right now to give us the go ahead. By the time they got back to us, you know, children were around. We couldn't make the raid. We couldn't make the hit. And a, and a terrible and a terrorist goes away. I mean, that's the left. Right. This is the insanity. So we, we gave them the ability to do what they need to do. And you see that. Look, when they got al-Baghdadi, you saw you know, the Washington Post. Austere religious scholar. I remember that. Osama bin Laden's right-hand man. He's the leading terrorist in the world. We killed him. And the Washington Post says he's an austere religious scholar. No, he's not. He's a terrorist. He put people in cages and doused them in gasoline and burned them on fire. Like, this is not a decent or good human being. But because Donald Trump got him, uh, they, they can sort of try to whitewash what this piece of crap really is. And and I mean, that's sort of the level of what we are up against, you know, sort of in this battle for our culture and our civilization and our future. And, you know, my dad was willing to do it because it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. And I I hope people don't sit at home in November instead of going to vote. And I know like there are issues like we've got mail-in voting this year in in volumes that we've never seen before. Absentee voting in volumes that we've never seen before. That's a whole other ball of wax. Well, and you see them trying to cheat right now. I mean, you literally see they are putting forth legislation. They don't want the signature on an absentee ballot to have to match the signature on record of the voter. I mean, what possible reason... Could you have for that if you weren't trying to cheat? Meaning, you know, this is this should be a, an objective issue, but we understand what the Democrats do with these things. You saw what they did in Pennsylvania uh, last week with some of the absentee ballots that came back from the military that were overwhelmingly for Trump, and they managed to end up in a trash can. They're trying to figure out how they're cheating. You see that Joe Biden has no ground game. They're staffing up lawyers because their election starts on November 4th. That's why we need people. We need them to be out there. We need them to get registered. We need them to call their friends. You'll make sure you're there. You can do it right. Guess what, boys and girls? If you can loot and riot in person, you can vote in person. <laughs> How would one go about registering to vote? I mean, I, I know since I, back in college, I remember, you know, MTV was always running Rock the Vote and, and all these yeah. things. There, every year, you always see every election year, you see some campaign to register, yet you, you see the information. There's so many people that don't know how to register. How do they go about doing that, Don? Well, you know, there's a lot of different ways you go to your, you know, your local, you know, GOP or, you know, or Democrat office. You know, they, they can do that. Your local state uh, GOP uh, websites will do it. I mean, I know there's some organizations out there, you know, that are you know specifically targeting hunters like Hunt the Vote, uh, the vote. you know, that you can literally go on there and you, you can check it out. Some good friends of mine, uh, you know, are, are, are working on that. I know Ted Nugent is a good buddy. Great, you know, uh, you know, fellow bow hunter. Uh, you know, he's been pushing a lot of those things just to, again, it's not a partisan thing like. 
you know, if you're a hunter, you got to understand what's on the table. Go register a vote, vote for whoever you think is going to represent you better. Uh, but, you know, I, I think we've made a pretty strong case for that. I think this administration has done a lot for the outdoorsmen. I think this administration is obviously doing a lot. Uh, you know, it certainly as it relates to the Second Amendment versus what's going on on the other side, because, you know, Beto is coming for your AR-15 and Joe Biden's made it very clear. You saw what he did to that guy up in uh, Michigan or Wisconsin who, you know, questioned him about his gun stance. He starts screaming at a blue collar union guy. Yeah. You know, you know, talking about an AR-15, AR-14, which I don't know what that is, but I want one. It's coming out. Yeah, I don't just know waiting. what an AR, I, I know a lot about guns. and I've got more than most. Uh, I don't know what an AR-14 is, but I want one. <laughs> All right. In, in the spirit of bipartisanship, we should also say that this invite to come on our show is open to Hunter Biden also. <laughs> I, I, Just in case he's hey, I've offered to debate Hunter Biden face to face. I've said, hey, I'll give you full tax returns, full disclosure. I did it on a liberal, you know, on a liberal news station. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I haven't heard a response. Hmm. Uh, Don't hold your uh, breath. But I, I, the, the invite is open. I will go full disclosure, uh, debate Hunter. And if you guys want to have him on, he can he can tell you about, uh, you know, all of the things that he's done in the great outdoors. Okay. Can't wait. So as we start wrapping up, we know your time's limited. I want to give Mark and Terry another chance to, to jump in here. And then I want to do a quick round of rapid fire question of the day from our, our uh, viewers at home. Hey, hey, Don, I know you guys have a an enormous day tomorrow. I think it starts out at noon. I do believe that uh, Franklin Graham has a, a prayer march that starts at the Lincoln Memorial and I think ends up there at the White House. And then later on in the day, your dad will be our president will be uh, announcing his nomination for the Supreme Court. Am I correct in that? Uh, that, that, that is right. You know, it, it's actually it's probably one of those things that's sort of interesting. I mean, when you think about Franklin Graham and supporting Trump, like in 2016, I could understand if you were skeptical. Uh, you know, if you were sort of an evangelical Christian or if you were, you know, pro-life, you know, being skeptical of, you know, the brash developer from New York City. Like, do you think he's really going to be strong on those issues? But the reality is Donald Trump's been stronger than any conservative out there you know, on those issues. He said he was going to do something and he backed it up. You combine that with, you know, the SCOTUS appointment. Uh, and I think that's amazing. And I think it's important that we fight for that. You know, the Democrats, Joe Biden, Ob Obama, Schumer, you know, in 16 when it was a similar situation, but you didn't have the White House and the Senate like you did now, you know, they wanted to immediately jam Merrick Garland through there. So we got to put this on there. And this notion that, the, you know, Schumer saying, well, that means nothing's off the table. I, I, does anyone really believe that Chuck Schumer wasn't going to try to pack the courts? The Democrats have been saying when they can't win with the elections, they do what they can to cheat. They'll, they will pack the courts. They'll do these things anyway. So I think it's an important thing to make sure that we have you know, strong justices on the Supreme Court, originalists, people who will defend our Second Amendment, not some activist, uh, you know, judges like you see from the left. I mean, I think a great point about the importance of the courts and why another four more years is so important. Look at what happened in California three weeks ago. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, where the Constitution and conservative values go to die. Right. We all know this. Right. Whenever the left hates something, they send it to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. A liberal activist judge votes against it despite the Constitution. It's usually overturned after millions of dollars uh, in the Supreme Court later on. But a judge on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals overturned the California high capacity magazine ban. That judge was a Trump appointee. A Trump appointee overturned California's high capacity magazine ban in the most liberal court in the nation. That's another huge reason why we got to fight. That's why it's so important. Those are the people that are going to be standing up for religious liberty. Those are the people that are going to be standing up for life. 
Those are the people that are going to be standing up for the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. If you think for one second that an activist leftist judge is going to look at shall not be infringed and be perfectly fine infringing on it, you haven't been watching the left for the last few years. So these things are so important. So, yeah, tomorrow is going to be a really big day. All right, Mark, do you have anything to add, buddy? Absolutely. Um, It's so important. We're talking about motivating people to go out and register to vote and then to vote. We were talking to Rob Keck yesterday in a radio show, and he mentioned in the state of Pennsylvania, there's roughly a million and a half hunters and half a million of those guys aren't even registered to vote or did not vote in 16 and 18. And if you look at so many states with the razor thin margin, it gives us an opportunity as hunters, outdoorsmen and conservationists to make a difference with our vote. So by all means, do everything you can to go out there and register to vote and then go ahead and vote. Taylor, I want to throw it to you. You represent, uh, I think, an anomaly in our industry, a young lady that loves the outdoors and loves to hunt. What are your thoughts and, and what would you like to ask Don Jr.? You know, I, I I know I haven't said much. I'm just sitting here. I feel like when you're talking about you're going to these college campuses, I feel like I'm in school. I'm just soaking it all in, listening to all the facts. I feel like I've learned more on this 25-minute call than I do on the news in the past probably a couple of years. But I was telling dad yesterday, it's like, we got something in the mail. Okay, go to this website. Make sure you're registered to vote. I went on, made sure my husband and I are both good to go. We know where to go. Um, so I just... Uh, I think that it's so important for all outdoorsmen, like dad said, to really know what's going on, acknowledge what the Trump administration has done for all outdoorsmen, conservationists. And uh, we step up, we go vote and we make sure we do our part. But I really just want to say thank you to the Trump administration for everything that they've done for hunters all around the world. It's just absolutely incredible listening to all the facts of the acts and the 4.1 million acres. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. Well, I, I appreciate that, Taylor. And, I, you know, thanks for what you do also. I think, you know, it's sort of interesting. Again, I, I'm from New York City. Now, you know, I, I haven't spent a weekend here in probably over a decade because I get out, I go to my farm. But, you know, it's interesting. I love like when someone like you puts themselves out there as a female in the outdoors, showing what it is, what it can be. It's sort of amazing. My friends, from you know college or from business, you know they're, they're city folks. They don't they don't do this stuff. And there's not a single one of them though. When I'm like, hey guys, give me 12 hours of your time. These are people that are anti-gun, anti-hunting, anti-everything. I go, give me 12 hours of your time. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to go upstate. We're going to shoot. We're going to do this. We're going to go maybe do a pheasant walk up type of thing. No, no, no. I can't do that. I go. You've known me a long time. I get we may see differently on this. I may I get we may not see eye to eye. They come. They give me the chance, and not one of those people that I've taken into the great outdoors, whether it's shooting, whether it be even hunting, has not been like, oh, oh my God, that's that's so different than everything I've ever learned from the media. Uh, that's awesome. When are we going again? So, I mean, in, in 12 hours, I've been able to take, you know, even young women, uh, other guys you know, that were anti-gun, anti-hunting, anti-everything, you know, the same people that are now calling me, be like, hey, Don, what AR-15 should I get? I guess I thought I didn't need one. For 10 years, you've been telling me you didn't need one. For 10 years, you said there wasn't actually a background check. I've been already, you know, the last couple of months has shown us that, hey, we we really probably do need to defend ourselves. We do need the Second Amendment. Uh, it's not just some sort of crazy novelty from the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's real. It's the Second mm-hmm. Amendment. It wasn't like some sort of afterthought 100 years later. I mean, our founding fathers thought of this, but like, I love that there's someone like you who's young, who's showing people, whether it be like people like my daughter's, to be able to come out, you can do that. You can have that incredible experience. And I think traditionally, you know, the hunting crowd has done a bad job of that. It was like for the old guys in hunting camp and we're going to smoke cigars and drink whiskey. And, and you know, 
I think the prior generations have done, a, you know, generally speaking, a pretty bad job getting their kids into the game, which created a gap. So I love that there's people like yourselves who put themselves out there that show that it's for everyone, uh, that everyone can do it, that this great American tradition of family and the outdoors, you know, it's not just about the kill shot. It's also about the camaraderie, the time around the campfire mm-hmm. uh, is just awesome. So, you know, I love that there's people like yourselves showing that this isn't just, you know, a sport or a game or a pastime, you know, for, for grumpy old guys. <laughs> All right. So I know your time's limited. Let's do a quick round of rapid fire question of the day. All right. So I have a question here from Tally 30. He says, do you think you're going to follow in your father's footsteps and run for president? Oh God. Uh, yeah. People have been pushing that. The media keeps doing that, that, uh, you know, apparently I'm leading the pack in 2024 with, you know, it's going to be Don Jr. Versus Nikki Haley. The reality is I have no idea. I'm going to stay involved because, frankly, to me, it's too important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and generally speaking, I think from the conservative side, we often haven't seen people who are actually willing to fight. Yeah. You know, they'll tell you what you want to hear on a Zoom call to a group of conservatives, but they get down to D.C. and they roll over and die because the left would like them to. They're more worried about getting an article written about them that's a little bit nicer. It's still a kill article, but a little bit nicer <laughs> from some leftist reporter. So, you know, the reality, you know, I, I think there's a void of conservatives who are willing to fight, who are willing to engage, who are willing to mix it up. And, you know, the left, they fight hard, man. They fight hard. They fight dirty. Uh, you know, we, we need to be willing to engage with that, not be you know, scared into a corner. So I'll stay involved. But my only focus right now is 2020. We got to get four more years. We got to get those courts back. We got to fight for the things that we believe in. We got to keep doing stuff like fighting human trafficking, not turning a blind eye to it. Um my dad's getting peace deals done in the Middle East, and you don't even hear about it. I mean, that's the holy grail of geopolitical politics. And they said, well, when he moved the embassy to its rightful home in Jerusalem, they said that would be the start of World War III, and billions of people would die. Turns out he did that and managed to get peace deals, multiple, you know, two there and one in Kosovo. I mean, that used to be a big deal, but because Donald Trump did it, it's going to be ignored. So, you know, we got to fight for what we believe in. We got to fight for our freedoms. We got to fight for our country so that we leave our country and, you know, and our, we leave our country to our children. and. And they can still recognize uh, the country that we grew up in, because uh, I'm not sure that's what the left stands for anymore, especially when I look at the way they've handled things for the last uh, few months with, with the insanity around the country. Ooh, mouthful there. Sounds like he's done this <laughs> That was a good answer. All right. Jackpot34 wants to know, favorite animal to hunt slash eat? Ooh. Well, you know what? I, I, I'm a big sheep hunter, right? That, that's sort of what I do. I, you know, this is the one first year in a while where I haven't gone sort of in the mountains with a backpack, you know, drop me off and pick me up in 14 days. Uh, you know, I do love the sheep hunt. And, and I think the sheep meat is probably the best. Now, I don't know if that's simply because after eating Mountain House for 14 days, um, <laughs> that any sort of meaning you're cooking it over an open flame with no seasoning and nothing, and it still tastes sort of amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that's because of the meat or if it's just because after you're eating freeze dried food for two weeks, uh, I guess any real meat is awesome. So, you know, sheep is definitely my number one. I love the physical challenge. I love, you know, just being you know, in that remote wilderness, no trails, no base camp, living out of my backpack, uh, mm. going hard. It, it's it's a perfect kickstart to a diet. I usually lose about 15 to 20 pounds every <laughs> sheep hunt. Uh, you know, it, it, as I get a little bit older, that becomes harder to do. So I'm always psyched about that. So I love that. And, you know, th- it's also hard to beat elk in the rut, though. I mean, you know, archery elk, like I was able to just do last weekend, uh, you know, in the rut when they're bugling and going nuts, you know, there, there's nothing quite as intense as that either. So it's it's a cross between those two. All right, I'll uh, I'll wrap this thing up. Uh, we got a question. I'm going to ask Mark and Terry this one. It says uh, Brandon Cop says, "What are the chances DOD could film a hunt with Don Jr.?" Come on, Mark Terry, what, what do you say? <laughs> Some whitetail hunt. <laughs> Just pick the day. <laughs> 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 
Well, Any- uh, you know, I, I open up a lot after November 4th, guys. You know, November 3rd is <laughs> kind of a big day. November 4th, I start most of my hunting season, and, uh, and I'll be out there. So uh, I, I would 100% do that. Let's okay? go. All right. Let's go. There you have Let's it. Go. You heard it on the 100% Wild Podcast first. So I want to say thank you very much for taking the time. I know you're a busy, busy guy. We appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you spreading the message of getting out there, registering to vote, yeah. and doing your part as an American to uh, change our future. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't wait until it's too late, guys. Get after it now. You know, whatever you do now, that if you do on November 4th, if you got the result you didn't want, start doing it now. You know, there are deadlines in some states for registration. So, you know, get after it, call your friends, make sure they're doing it as well. You know, maybe check out, you know, hunt the boat. Uh, you, you can get an idea of the policy positions as well as, you know, help you get registered uh, in those states. It, it matters and it's worth fighting for. So get after it. Sounds good. We'll put a link to where you can vote, uh, or where you can register to vote in the show notes. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it from the 100% Wild Podcast Studio powered by DeerCast. Who's going to be the guest next week? I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a tough <laughs> where one. Where else are we going to go? <laughs> Nowhere but down. Uh, Mark, Terry, yeah, Taylor. You can have me back on. I'll rant and rave. We can do a little bit more hunting talk, okay? Let's, Let's do I it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody. All right. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Be well. Thank you much, Don. Until Thanks, next time, Don. peace out. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Don. Make the most of your time in the woods by knowing when whitetails will be moving on your prime spots up to 10 days in advance. Get ahead of your game with DeerCast.